Well, again, good morning to you, and it's good to be with you today. Uh, I want to answer a couple of questions. Some people have already been asking me about Christmas Eve services. Yes, we have one on the 22nd, a couple on the 23rd, and then I think five on the 24th. And the next Sunday, those services are different. People are wanting to know. Next Sunday services, I'm not doing the first couple because I like my staff, and I want them to come back. Um, And so we will have those services. I think we'll just... Come in pajamas next Sunday, whatever you want. Well, I'm going to have hot cocoa bars out and everything else, and we're just going to enjoy it. And I'm sure it'll be snowing at least three feet on Christmas morning. Isn't that fun, right? Um, and all these people canceling church today. I'm like, you live in Michigan. Right? It's kind of what you sign up for, isn't it? Can I have an amen? amen. Let's worship God. Amen. amen. Man, come on. Um, I'm in a mood today. Get ready. Um, so... Um, just know that that's part of what's coming this next week, and we're excited to be able to have that opportunity to worship with you uh, on Christmas Eve, but also next Sunday, and this is going to be an amazing opportunity. Uh, We're looking at the person of Mary today. Uh, Yes, somewhat common at Christmas to look at Mary, but before we jump into Scripture, I want to make sure that you have three things, just facts, things that we know about Mary. We're going to have, uh, prior to the reading of Scripture, three things that you need to know about Mary, and then three things afterwards that we learn from Mary, all right? So I'm just going to break it up for you. If you can write these six things down total, um, you're going to learn a lot today, I think. One, you need to be reminded of this, is that Mary was prophesied. Now, we, we think about, there's, was Jesus prophesied, Messiah, yes or no? All right, so here he is prophesied, well over 300 prophecies in the Old Testament, but Mary was also prophesied. We see this, Isaiah chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, therefore the Lord himself is going to bring you a son, right? Behold, the virgin shall conceive, bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. So 750 or so years before this is happening, Mary's already been prophesied that this would take place. Everything lines up perfectly. I was talking to a friend of mine uh, years and years ago um, who was an atheist, and I just asked him, I said, how is it that you explain even this? Right? We know, nobody will argue when these things were written. How, how is it that all these things lined up? Well, I guess they just got it. I guess they got lucky. I'm like, over 300 times. And it's exactly what they said. Yeah, I get, we're still figuring that out. Right? We're still figuring that out. So Mary was prophesied. That's important. Mary was favored by God. That's another thing about her that you need to know. Mary was favored by God. So here comes this celestial being, an angel of the Lord, by the name of Gabriel. What's the name? And uh, it says, hey, don't be afraid. We see this in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. uh, And the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Everybody say, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So found favor with God, which really means to bestow grace on. So Mary, um, God was bestowing grace on Mary. She was favored by God. It's important for us to know. Third thing you need to know about Mary before we jump into the text today is that um, Mary was not of God. Mary was not God, even to say was not. Now, this is where there's a huge difference between Catholicism and what we believe. Why? Because we're not going to add to Scripture. We're not going to remove from Scripture. All right? Um, This is really, really important just to help you understand. Uh, Many Catholics believe that Mary was sinless. Um, They've taught that she was even perpetually a virgin, but that's we know that she had babies with Joseph later. 
In fact, when it tells us so that right, right away, you're like, oh, okay, wait, there's something to miss here. Um, Matthew chapter 1, verse 25, um, I shared it last week about Joseph. Really what it's saying is that Joseph, it says, was not with her. Um, what, what it's saying is Joseph did not have sexual relationships with her until her son Jesus was born. That's what that means. Sometimes I don't like to go too graphic or anything else, right? Kids in the place. But the reality is Joseph and Mary had kids together later on. And so she was, she was not always remaining the way that she was. She was not perpetually a virgin. So um, those are a few things that you have to understand, that she was prophesied, she was favored by God, um, and while she was being used by God, she, she was not God herself by any means whatsoever. She was simply used by God in a wonderful, mighty way. So now we come to the Word of God. Will you please stand? You know how it goes. I'm going to call out some scripture here. When I stop speaking, you say the next word. All right? It's not, not, not too complicated. In the sixth month, the angel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Some of you stopped. Do. You got one word. You're like, I just said one. Do. I'm like, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who, has call, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Behold, I am a servant let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is the word of God. You may be seated. I'll tell you something really cool about the story of Jesus. There's a few really cool things about the story of Jesus. One of the things, though, that we learn from people like Joseph and Mary is that God loves to use people that we would probably think little of to do great things. God loves to use people that we would often think little of in order to do great things. Even here is a young girl in the life of Mary who's 13, 14 years old from this small little town, humble, uh, little, no probably expectations of growing up and being any different from anyone else. She's just going to grow up, do what she needs to do, Right? And then here comes this angel Gabriel comes to, to Mary and lets her know that she was chosen, that she was favored by God to be the mother of God's son. And in the midst of it, she's exhibiting courage. She's exhibiting character along the way. 
And we know that Mary was exhibiting this faithfulness until she had the child. Um, We know that Joseph was also exhibiting faithfulness as well. In fact, one of the things that we see that was so important is that Joseph likely, not only was Mary faithful, but here's Joseph. What he was doing to prepare was likely adding an addition to his parents' house, his family's house. That's what they would have done back then. They, in order to do it, they would have just tagged on and said, hey, this is where my family is. We'll just throw a room on the back of it. To my kids, I've already told them that is not permissible. <laughs> right? I just said, I, I just, no, 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 no. And they're like, are you sure? Yes. And so they, that's how they would do it. And there's, good, there's really cool things about it, too. Now, those families would come together, and they would stay together for a lot of reasons. Yes, it was for support. It was automatic built-in child care, right? Your family would be there for you and with you. And that's something my wife and I have never had around us in terms of family there to help with kids and get them one place to the other. And so my kids get one sport. That's all they get, right? It's all I can get to. And then my, it just is part of life. But even in today's world, there's different cultures that say that when you're at a certain age, you have to start supporting your family, uh, Pastor Nathan and I, in a couple of weeks, we've got to head back to the Philippines. And in doing that, when I was there recently, I learned that as soon as they move out, around 17, 18, uh, if they go do anything, as soon as they get to that age, they're expected to start supporting their family financially. Anybody else think we should adopt that? <laughs> right? But that's what they're expected to do. They, start, they care for each other differently because, one, they don't have, most of the world doesn't have what we have. They certainly didn't have it then. And so they need to help each other along. They need to help support one another and to move uh, each other forward to care for one another. So this is something very important. So here he is probably adding to the, the, the family's household. And when we look at some of the responses, I think a couple of weeks back to Zechariah, uh, we know that the angel came to him while he's there and um, he couldn't speak until the baby John the Baptist was to be born of his wife, Elizabeth, because he questioned. Well, I think he truly questioned God. Uh, Mary, I th- she asked a question, but I think it was a, with a different tone. I, think, I don't think it's m- as much of a question as it was a, a question of, okay, then tell me what to do. Right? So when we look at Luke chapter 1... Mary said to that verse 33 and 34, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom is going to be there with no end. So these very things are happening and unfolding. And so Mary says to the angel, all right, to Gabriel, how will this be since I am a virgin? That's more of like, okay, just tell me what to do then. Like, okay, I, I, I'm a virgin. Tell me what's going to happen so that I can just jump in. It's more that posture if you look at the original language. And so here in verse 35 through 37 in Luke 1, it says, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy. I I love this already. Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. I, I pray Holy Spirit will come upon you and me. I pray that the power of the Most High will overshadow everything in your life. that we would recognize that he is holy. It says, Behold, your, Elizabeth, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. There's nothing like that, right? Uh, think about that. And, she'll be, and she was called barren. 
and yet God provided. It says, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said to her, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Lord. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Luke 1, 38. I am a, everybody say, I am a servant of the Lord. One more time. The reason I'm having you say it is, I wish that was more of our response to whatever God says. Here's one of the things that we also are reminded of, not only with the Christmas story, but with believers in Jesus Christ when it comes to the Word of God. I think we want to learn from the Word of God. I don't know if we want to emulate the people of the Word of God. I think we should be trying to emulate the people of the Word of God. Hear me correctly. Hear me very strongly say, I think we should want to emulate them. Often, though, I think we just want to learn from them because every single person who encountered God and the Word, their life automatically shifted radically. The mundane goes out the window. The routine goes out the window. You don't think that Mary's life, Joseph's life, radically shifted and changed when they said, okay, I'm a servant of the Lord, whatever you want. How about, ooh, let's go to Saul, Acts chapter 9, blinded by the light. Was his life anything routine afterwards? No. How about all the fishermen? They're used to getting in a boat every morning really early before the sun rises, getting out on the lake, brings the fish in, they provide enough, they spend the rest of the day with their family. After they've gone to the market, they're done for the day, and then they just repeat. They rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. And we love to rinse and repeat. But if you know Jesus Christ, rinse and repeat is no more of a guarantee than anything else. And now all of a sudden, they're not living in a life of being routine and rote and everything that they're doing. They're being used by an almighty God in a way that is beyond their imaginable consciousness of anything that could take place. Are we okay with that? Are we okay with that? That type of God stepping into our life? Because what the Christmas story tells us is that there is such an amazing God and Lord that steps into our life. There is no more routine. Because why? Here's the response of Mary. Anybody want to learn from Mary? Yes. I am a servant of the Lord. Whatever you want. What if that was our, po- our posture in life? So here are the three. I told you three things about Mary earlier. I want to give you three lessons from Mary. The very first thing that we recognize is she has that posturing because one, she's humble. Mary is humble. And not in the way that we think. We think that a lot of times we take the word humble and we go, well, quiet and kind of reserved and pulled back. And that's how you show humility. And no, that's actually called being quiet and held back. Humility is defined by thinking less of yourself and more of him. You know how many people hide in the posturing of, yeah, but I'm just trying to, no, 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 no. Whatever God says goes. Whatever God says goes. So we recognize this. So here's this humble person. She refers to herself at least four different times as what we would refer to as a maidservant or a bond slave. So I, would, I would argue five times. Some would say four. So as a bond slave, which comes from the word doule or doulos, which means slave in Greek. She is referring to herself as that. Now, in today's world, we don't like that word very much because of what we've made it. Rightfully so. I get that. But to be a slave of the Most High, to be a slave of the King, to be a slave of the Lord is a privilege. Now, I'm putting this in biblical context. 
But when you live in a world that makes, it makes so much of the individual, we don't, we're, we're in a world today, you never submit to anyone. You never come below anyone and say, you know what, whatever you want, Right? We've taken the celebration of a God and we've taken and we've flipped it around. Let's celebrate self. Yet if we celebrate self, where it gets you is certainly not with the heavenly father. And so here comes Mary who steps into the picture and, and is just humble. She's like, I'm your bond slave. It's the same word used in Septuagint every time Hannah referred to herself as a maidservant. So Mary sees herself as a slave to God's purposes, as a servant. She was humble because she knew who God was and she knew who she was not. And so she was humble. It's the first lesson that we learn from her. So Mary is humble. Second lesson that we learn is Mary submits. Now that's another fun word too. Don't we love the words like slave and submit? in today's world, in today's culture, but she submitted. Submitting to God is far easier when remembering who you are and who God is. And she knew that she needed to submit. That when you acknowledge who God is, if he really has authority in your life, if you really view it as an honor to submit to anything he desires of you, to be used by him, you're joyful in doing so. You certainly don't do it begrudgingly. It's like, it's like my... my my kids, whenever I ask them to do anything, they just jump up off the couch immediately and they smile and say, yes, Father, I would love to. <laughs> Anybody else? Anybody pray for that? But if your child is given the rightful authority and if you've done it in the right posturing and if you do it in a way that is God-honoring, should they not? She was humble and she was willing to submit because she didn't make too much of self. She was humble. Mary submitted. And it tells us as we read through this, Mary is visiting Elizabeth and even Elizabeth is acknowledging all that was taking place. And so Elizabeth, who's with child, is looking at Mary who is with child and saying, how could this happen to me, right? And you would think that she's about to make this all about her, but she doesn't. How could this happen to me? That the mother of my Lord should come to me, right? That, this is amazing. That, that even you, Mary, would be with me now. Wow, the mother of my Lord. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who, who believed that there would be fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And here's what Mary responds with. Now remember, this would not have been easy for Mary we like everything to make sense. We like everything to be nice and neat and orderly. This is how we do things, right? I, that's just the reality of how we roll sometimes, and we want everything done in, in, in a very pragmatic, logical way. It's kind of makes sense, and yet here comes God. God never worked that way. 
I think it was reminding the people that he was greater than who they were, right? And so here comes Mary. She, she was someone who was humble. She submitted to God. And then what we find is that Mary worships. And not only does she worship, she sings. Anybody here have a family who sings? Like Our family loves to sing. I remember telling once, even here, you know, where we, we used to live over in Georgetown Forest, and our neighbors would be like, hey, we love hearing you sing. <laughs> like, oh, great. Um, because we don't sound good. We're not that family. It's like, oh, they just sound like angels. No, it'd be the opposite of. Um, but we'd love to sing. And so we sing all the time. Our neighbors end up hearing us, and it can be embarrassing. So right now, we just live right down the street, and I was like, oh, this is great. Um, nobody's heard us sing. My neighbor came to me last week. I can't, we can hear you guys sing sometimes. It's nice. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm like, I was praying that you were hearing impaired because um, <laughs> we're in a duplex, so like right there, and then all of a sudden, like, yeah, it's just one. He reminded me, he's like, there's just one wall between you and me, and I'm like, I'm like but we love to sing. Anybody else from that family who your neighbors tell you that you sing too loud, right? <laughs> We love to sing. We love, here's, here's the reason we love to sing. The more you make of God and the less you make of yourself, the more you exalt the heavenly name. Mary began to worship and to sing. Here, I'll put it... Uh, and even more context for you. Mary, her life is being turned upside down. 13, 14 years old. Joseph could have had her stoned by the law. Everything is up in the air. Joseph's trying to figure out, how do I add to this house real quick? I got to make room like not only am I getting married, but you know, the expectations were high when it's like, I have to house the son of God. Right. And all of these things are happening and all these things are occurring. The baby had not come yet. And Mary's response wasn't stress and anxiety and, oh, no, what am I going to do? I got to make sure everything's done right. She was so overwhelmed to simply be used by God that she began to praise and to worship and to sing. The baby had not come. The promise of God, because she had given so much authority to God, the simple promise of God was worth celebrating even without the promise coming to fruition yet. Wouldn't it be cool if we could have that posture in life? Amen? Why don't we? Because we think too much of ourselves and too small of him. He was praising God for the promise that he had made already. That's what she was doing. That's what he was doing. Joseph was doing. They were, Mary's song of praise is remarkable because she is Humble, she submits, but she is worshiping. Mary said these very words. Here's the word. It says, my soul magnifies the Lord is the word of God here. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So this tells you my soul, my spirit, the very depth of who I am. Like, this isn't superficial. This isn't on the surface. This is in the very depth of who I am. My soul magnifies the Lord. When your soul is magnifying the Lord, it's like nothing can even keep it in. 
Nothing can contain that. There's a different joy about you that walks around. And I know, guys, I understand that life can be hard, but I think, man, I think Christians should be known for the smile on their face. But we're more consumed with what we have to do rather than what God is already doing. Mary said these words, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will, be call, will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. And it continues on. I'm not going to go even any further right now. Because here, Mary is declaring the greatness of who God is. And things were hard for her. Um, Sometimes raising kids, and you feel the responsibility to make sure they know how hard you had it growing up. Have you ever noticed that? Like every parent has had it harder than their kids have had it, and, right? I've told that to my kids. I'm like, guys, you have no clue. You guys got it so good. And I'm certain that my parents did the same thing when they were raising us. And it just kind of keeps going and keeps going. And you just want to remind them of how good they have it. And sometimes you want them to have it hard, though. Right? You want them to have it difficult because I do think that often difficulty and hardship Difficulty and hardship can be a door to gratitude and to praise and worship. And these people, Mary was praising and worshiping and singing. She didn't have it easy, friends. She had praise and worshiping and gratitude in the midst of the hardship because she was so grateful to simply be used. And so here she is, calling out the depth of her soul, spirit, used literally in the original language to speak of the inner person. She's giving her entire being. There's nothing left for self. And yet the worship rises up from within her. I think that'd probably be one of the greatest prayers I have for my children right now is that the joy of the Lord would rise up within them that would ooze out of them. We don't need to simply speak about Jesus and write his name on Christmas cards. We need to worship him. And Mary's worship was truly intense. Should our neighbors not hear us singing? Because we're so overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord and what he has done. My soul magnifies the Lord. Mary teaches us in a posture of humility that if we really know who he is, our soul will magnify the Lord. My spirit rejoices in my Savior. He is the deliverer. 
For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For, for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. She's going, you know what? God is all-knowing, and he knows me personally, and he is using me, and I am beside myself that I get to be used. Verse 49 lets us know that for he is mighty and has done great things for me. He is all-knowing, yes, but he's done great things. I don't have to understand all of them, but I trust him. He's holy. He lacks nothing. He's perfect. Verse 50 says, God is a God of mercy. Verse 51, God is strong. When throughout this song and this declaration of worship, she doesn't make one request for self. She's too busy worshiping God. But God, this is hard. If you could do that, no, but God, uh, can you make sure Joseph gets finished with the, the, the addition? Can, God, can you make sure that these people will stop giving me a hard time because they don't understand the fact that you came to me and that I'm a virgin? Is this, this, they don't get it, God. Can you? None of that. She's so busy worshiping. Can that be us this Christmas? So what I want to be able to do today is I actually, I want to pray some of Mary's song for us today. Because I'm praying that we can have the humility and the submission, right? The worship within us because we're so overwhelmed by who God is that it will change the posturing that we have. Everybody say, I am a servant of the Lord. One more time. I'm a servant of the Lord. I'm a of the Lord. Hey, shouldn't we be walking around everywhere? We're going like, I'm a servant of the Lord. Like that, just, come on. I know God. I'm going to celebrate him for everything he's already done. He doesn't have to do anything more than what he's already done. And I'm going to celebrate him. I know that he's going to return one day through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm good. Christmas means Messiah has come. Messiah has come. Emmanuel, God with us. Do we believe that? And if you, you don't, if you don't have enough time to ponder this, to recognize this, I'm going to ask you to change your calendar. Tell your family members they can't do as much stuff because you don't have time to hear from God. One of the reasons I think we struggle with what Mary is doing and that we even go, well, yeah, but she, an angel appeared to her by the name of Gabriel and said this is what's going to happen. She, that's, that's almost not fair. Friends, we can hear God with the same clarity. It's called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We don't because we don't make enough room for him. People say, I don't know what God's saying to me. I, I, always, I always will ask them, well, tell me about your time with God, your time with the word of God, your time in prayer. I want to know what that looks like because if you spend time with him, you're going to know his voice that much more clearly. And when he speaks, you're going to know it's of him and you're going to rejoice no matter what he's asking of you because you know that you can trust in him. That's what we get to do. That's what Mary was doing, trusting in him. And so this is her song of praise. Will you pray with me? God, may our soul 
magnify the Lord. In our innermost being, may we magnify the Lord. May our spirit rejoice in you, God. You are our Savior. This Christmas, may we not get so bogged down in what we have to get done and and the logistics of life. May we hear your voice and hear your promises and hear your truth that you will do all that you've, you've said that you will do. And so may we simply rejoice. May our worship radiate out of us. May we do more than simply want to learn from the people in the Word of God. May we want to emulate them. Because they're such powerful lessons. And Lord, we give you thanks that you've looked on the state of a humble servant. And that you've chosen to use Mary and you choose to use us. We know that you are mighty for you have done great things. We know that your name is holy and we will exalt you. We know that your mercy is plentiful for those who fear you in every generation. You have shown strength and power. You've brought down the mighty from their thrones and you have exalted those of humble estate. You are the bread of life and you have given us fulfillment and purpose. God, we trust you with our children and with our grandchildren for the generations to come. God, may we adore you.